Okay, let's, uh, let's get started. For those of you who don't know, my name's Larry. I am an elder here at Echo Church. And uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of insight into how kind of my preaching madness works. Um, generally, I spend a week or two weeks meditating on what's coming up. Uh, this time I had kind of three weeks to meditate on this. Um, I spend time reading it, thinking about it, praying about it, come up with an outline, a general outline, and then the night before, I bang it out. I, I actually, I, I literally, I, I write a manuscript the night before. Um, I've already, it's not, like it's, it's not like last minute like it sounds, because I, spend, I do spend a lot of time meditating on it. Um, didn't work out too well this time. <laughs> some, some things occurred that really distracted me. Um, so I'm just being completely honest. The outline is there, and actually Steve provided an outline a couple weeks ago, so I think everything's good. But this is almost going to be as new to me as it is to you. I'm kind of preaching this to myself as well. Normally, also, the way you're supposed to start a sermon is with a joke or an amusing anecdote or something like that, kind of set the tone, get people drawn into the sermon. I don't have that. Um, We're in the book of Jonah. Jonah's full of unexpected turns, so that's kind of our first unexpected turn. I don't have any of that. And honestly, I'm going to be just straight up honest here. I am struggling right now. Struggling a little bit with faith. Not faith in the existence of God, per se, or the sacrifice of Jesus, or anything like that. But my struggle right now that I'm having, that, 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 that kind of has been precipitated by recent events, uh, is, is just, are we making a difference? Are, are we really doing anything? Uh, I'm having a hard time seeing God in what we're doing. And this, this is very recent. This is a recent struggle. So I'm kind of, I'm grappling with it right now. I'm not in crisis or anything. I don't think you guys need to do an intervention or anything like that. This, it's, it hasn't spiraled down into that. But I, I just want to be honest. I, and, and I'm going to share with you what has occurred recently that is, that is leading me into this, this struggle. Um, this is a story and it's, it's as reported on uh, WLWT News 5's website. Jamie Erton, 44, was shot and killed Friday afternoon. Cincinnati police said a four-year-old boy was hit by a car on Kenton Street when he wandered into the path of Erton's vehicle. Police say an altercation then took place when three people, people ran out to the car and started assaulting Erton and the passenger. Erton was shot multiple times and died on the way to, the, to a hospital. Police say they were either dragged from the car or attacked outside the car after they exited. The passenger was not shot, but suffered minor injuries related to the fight. This event is the unexpected turn that has me, honestly, kind of struggling this morning. For those of you that don't know where Kenton Street is, it's, it's right over here. It's three or four blocks that way, very close. Shootings in Walnut Hills aren't anything new. This, this happens around here, and it sucks. 
but I worked with Jamie Yurton at Cincinnati Association for the Blind, visually impaired. I said good morning and good evening. It's weird. I said good morning and good evening to Jamie practically every day. We talked about the Reds. We complained about the Bengals. We weren't really extremely close. We, we, outside of work, I didn't talk to him or see him. But something about this has me struggling. I also work with a guy that was his passenger. And his name isn't mentioned, and I think it's because he's cooperating with the investigation. These two guys were good friends. They were tight. They were tight at work and outside of work. I can't think but help, help but think about the pain that he's going through. The unexpected direction his life is taking right now. At this point, I don't really know how else to deal with this, with this pain, with what I'm, I'm struggling with, with, with the, the, the struggle with my faith, except to talk about it, to talk to you guys about it, be open and honest about how I'm feeling, how I'm left wondering about the meaning of things and, and what we are doing, what we're doing in this neighborhood. I feel defeated right now. I know this feeling's going to go away. I, I, I know that I won't always feel this way, and that's why I don't think that it's crisis mode or anything, but I feel this way right now. I don't want to give up, but I kind of do at the same time. And this whole thing is another unexpected thing for me in my life, this, this sharing, this honesty. For most of my life, I wouldn't, I wouldn't share pain, wouldn't share suffering. I would suck it up, I'd hold it inside, and I'd isolate from it, and I'd be that rock, that impervious rock. But I've realized through my wife's help, through some counseling, that that's not the best way to deal with pain. And honestly, I've learned from Rob G's example as well. Rob shared his pain with us regularly. Through his father's death, through his brother's illness and death, Rob shared. And I can only expect he was telling the truth when he said he drew strength from that. So, thank you. Thank you, Rob. So I'm sharing with you. I'm sharing with my loved ones. Isn't it amazing how God turns things from expected to unexpected? Things that we don't, ex- don't, don't think, things that, that, that we think are real in this way, God, God flips it on us. So by exposing and admitting weaknesses, we're actually stronger. And that's kind of opposite of what, of what we learn, what the world teaches us, that don't expose your weakness because people take advantage of them. Well, here we expose our weaknesses and people build into them. God builds into them, Christ builds into them, and we become stronger as a result. Paul speaks to this paradox in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. He says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Can we pray? Lord God, uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm finding it difficult to be thankful 
right now, but I will be. Um, because I do know, I do realize that you're working in everything. You're working through everything. And that as defeated as I feel right now, as weak as I feel right now, you're going to work in that. And, and you'll even work through this sermon, whatever it turns out to be. So Lord, I pray for your spirit. I pray for your spirit to be here now and to work through these words that hopefully are not my own, but are, that are yours. And I pray that uh, just that you'll be here, that you'll be with us, that you'll comfort us, you'll guide us, and that you will build us up and make us strong in our weakness. Amen. So unexpected turns, that's, that's what we're going through in the book of Jonah. And we're in Jonah chapter 2, and we're actually going to hit that last verse of chapter 1 again because it's probably one of the most unexpected verses that ever existed in the Bible. Um, I, don't know what, I don't know what page that is in the blue Bibles. Does anyone have that so we can shout it out and give help? Anybody? 654. So in these, in these weeks leading up to Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about unexpected turns in our lives. Um, the, the, so the next unexpected turn is that this is the only slide we've got. So get used to it. It's going to be up there the whole time. Um, how do we react when the world doesn't make sense? We're focusing on the book of Jonah, as we've already said, during our examination Jonah is one of the best-known stories in the Bible, but the details of the book go beyond this great fish swallowing Jonah. The details often get lost, however, in the midst of the fish tale. So let's, let's try to find those details. Last week, Steve went through chapter 1. He introduced us to Jonah. And last week, unexpectedly, we found Jonah, who, who was the prophet of God, running away from God. And he was behaving in a, in a less holy manner than the pagan sailors that he was on, on this boat with. These pagan sailors were trying to save Jonah's life. Jonah and these sailors were caught in a storm. And although it was clear that Jonah was the cause of the sailors' troubles and the storm, and Jonah was urging them to throw him overboard... The sailors still, just, they just didn't want to do it. They were reluctant to do so. They knew that throwing Jonah into the sea meant Jonah's death. Even though, if they kept Jonah on the boat, they, he was going to die anyway. They still didn't want to kill Jonah. Eventually, the sailors did recognize that they had to throw Jonah overboard. They were going to perish anyway if throwing him overboard didn't work, so... Why not give it a shot, right? It did work. The seas were calm, and the sailors feared the Lord as a result of this, and they offered a sacrifice and made vows to the Lord. So this brings us to Jonah, chapter 1, verses, verse 17, through chapter 2, verse 1. And Garrett's going to read for us. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. So, did you catch the unexpected event there? Did anyone, did anyone see that? It's a little bit subtle, but it's there. 
God provides a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah's inside the fish for three days and three nights. Is there anything expected in that? It's just, it's insane, isn't it? It's crazy. If we didn't already know this story, and I don't know, maybe someone didn't, but if, if, you, if you didn't already know this story, imagine that you didn't, could you at any point during that voice verse say, or those two verses say, yeah, I saw that coming. No, it, it's, it's totally unexpected. The story is so unexpected, in fact, that we cannot explain it away. It's, 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 it's huge unexpected. This has to be God's work, right? People have in the past tried to explain it. They've tried to scientifically prove that someone could live inside a whale or, or a fish or whatever, or some kind of sea creature. They thought that this would lend credibility to the Bible. Uh, there's a, a story that came out that says that a man in 1891 named James Bartley was a mate on an English whaling ship. And while they were hunting a sperm whale, they harpooned the whale, and from the thrashing about of the whale, Bartley fell into the ocean and ended up being swallowed by the whale. The whale subsequently died, and while they were cutting up the whale alongside the, the, the boat, they noticed something moving around in the stomach of the whale. And when they cut open the, the whale's stomach, there's Bartley. And he's alive, but he's like bleached white. All the hair is gone from him, and he's blind. And this is because of the gastric gunk in the whale's stomach. The story says that Bartley was likely in the whale's stomach for 36 hours. Sounds crazy, right? Because it is. It, it, it didn't happen. <laughs> it most likely is not based in fact. In fact, when, when a PhD from Messiah College went back to resource, research this event, he found no support. It's likely fiction. It blurs our focus on the real story because people tried to explain it and make it scientifically possible. The real story, the, the, the real unexpected event here is the fact that the Lord provided. The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. When we think of the Lord's provision, we, what we expect is... Things like food, shelter, health, safety, comfort, rest, things like that. I don't think about the Lord's provision as a big fish to swallow me or anyone, but that's what the Lord provided. He provided what Jonah needed. Jonah needed to be turned around. He was heading in the wrong direction. He was fleeing God, and it worked. Jonah's response in this situation was to pray to the Lord his God. And there's another lesson here, and maybe this one's not as unexpected. It is that prayer is not something that we should reserve until it's too late. Remember in chapter 1 when the sailors woke up Jonah from his sleep below deck? They told him, pray to your God so that maybe we'll be saved. Do you remember what Jonah did after, after they said that to him? More, more so do you remember what Jonah did not do after they said that. He didn't pray. He was silent. Jonah's prayer to the Lord didn't come until he was inside the fish. 
Let's read about his prayer. Let's read verses 2 through 7. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. So the, the image in, in this passage is, is very vivid. The images are of the grave. They're being hurled, being buried under the waves and the breakers, seaweed wrapping around my head, roots of the mountains, the earth barred me in. These are, these are images. This, this connotes death. They're metaphors for death. And then there's, there's the whole symbolism that Jonah was in the fish for three days. And Jesus was in the grave for three days. Some, some scholars actually believe that Jonah died here, that this was, this was death. I mean, he was inside a great fish for three days. You don't, you don't survive that. But again, there's more, there's more to focus on here. The point is not that Jonah is miraculously kept alive in the fish or that he's miraculously brought to life upon exiting the fish. The point is that Jonah at this point is recognizing why he's here. He's recognizing that he's fled from God. He's recognizing sin. Sin, basically at its root, is fleeing from God. And think about it. When we sin, we feel guilt, we feel shame. And in that guilt and shame, we don't want to be in the presence of God. We want to flee God. Or, or, and this this more often happens to me what's what I get myself into is I consider myself I think of myself as being equal to God or better than God I think I know better for myself what I need to do than what God knows so I then flee from God we flee from God and his commands thinking that we know better this is where Jonah is Jonah was caught he was stuck in sin and sin equals death and separation from God. In his prayer, Jonah is contemplating these things. And God has provided a very strange vehicle for Jonah's contemplation. Let's go ahead and close out our reading. Verses 8 through 10. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So in verse 8, Jonah refers to worthless idols. And it kind of harkens back again to the, to the sailors in chapter 1. Because the sailors at first prayed to no avail to, to the false gods, the gods that they had fashioned with their own hands. And Steve mentioned last week 
how it was customary for people as they entered new, new towns, new cities, to worship the, the dominant gods in those cities. So people were always worshiping different, different gods. And these sailors, being setting anchor in, in, in numerous ports, probably worshipped lots and lots of different gods. So when the storm came, these sailors are, are pulling from this plethora of gods, anyone they can think of, and praying to, to that god. But it wasn't until the Lord God showed up, the real God, that the storm was quelled. And the response of the sailors was worshiping God. Grace did not appear until the one true God was acknowledged. But this also ref- likely references the, the state of God's people as a whole at the time. So the, 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 the nation, God's people were, were being dominated. They were being run roughshod over by the Assyrians. And this was because they were worshiping idols. They were practicing worship that was abhorrent to God. And as we discussed earlier, Jonah was fleeing God. So in doing so, he was actually setting himself up above God. He was setting himself up as an, as an idol as well. Which is what I already told you I do. <laughs> he was worshiping himself. So Jonah was also guilty of idolatry. So Jonah realizes this. And he finds his song of thanksgiving while inside a fish. What's more unexpected? <laughs> there cannot be anything pleasant about being inside a fish. I don't think there's much pleasant about being outside a fish when I'm in the presence of a fish. Fish just aren't, they aren't pleasant. If you're inside a fish and you're not dead, I bet you're wishing you were dead. But this, this horrible environment is where Jonah realizes that God is providing for him. This is where he acknowledges God as the source of his salvation. This is where he sings to God. He doesn't know that he's going to get out yet. He's, he's in a fish and he does not know that he's going to ever get out of this fish. He doesn't know how this is going to end for him. But he trusts God. He believes in God. He finds his salvation in this really horrible situation. And God does. God delivers him, right? But the implication here is that God is not done with Jonah because the unexpected occurs. God doesn't just get Jonah out of the fish. The fish vomits Jonah. <laughs> I mean, this, it, you know, out of the frying pan into the fire, right? It, it, it doesn't get a whole lot better for Jonah. Now here he is, not just in the presence of fish vomit, but he actually is fish vomit. If there's anything worse than being in the belly of a fish, it has to be being part of what came out of the belly of a fish. It, it's, still, it's still a mess. Anything has to be better than being inside a fish until the fish vomits you. So just because we believe, just because we trust in God doesn't mean our journey is over. It doesn't mean he's finished with us. We might still have to suffer. We might still get vomited. Metaphorically. I hope metaphorically. 
because I still, I, I can't, I mean, vomit's gross, but fish vomit is beyond. It's, it's just got to be horrible. So, so this whole thing leaves us with this question, right? Is this real? Is this crazy, unexpected story real? Did this really happen? And like we said, we discussed some of the apologetics surrounding this, some of the, some of the, the, the explanations to this story, and, and we've kind of dismissed them. So let's, let's go ahead and just completely dismiss them right now. It is not, I'm going to state this definitively, it is not scientifically possible for someone to live in the belly of a fish, a whale, a sperm whale, any other kind of whale, for three seconds, let alone three days. It cannot happen. And then also, if, if we try to explain it away by saying, well, Jonah didn't live, he died. He was dead in the belly of that fish. It might make a little bit more sense, but then we still have to come up with an explanation as to how did Jonah come back to life. And isn't that just as hard as trying to explain how he lived inside a fish? You guys, this is impossible without God. Without God inserted into the story, without God providing in this story, it's impossible. It didn't happen. Without God, it, this, this didn't happen. So is it real? Did it happen? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, it happened. And I'm going to say yes, that I believe it happened for two, two big reasons. First reason is that Jesus said it happened. In Matthew 12, verses 38 through 41, we read... Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, him being Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. Jesus answered them, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah and now one greater than Jonah is here. So, there have been a few spoiler alerts and you can read ahead and get this anyway. Jonah, Jonah does go to Nineveh later on in this story. He does deliver the word of God to the people of Nineveh and the people of Nineveh do repent. But they didn't need to be swallowed by a fish. They didn't need a miraculous sign to repent. They repented when they heard the word of the Lord. And here's another unexpected turn. The people of God are asking for a miraculous sign in order to turn. They've got scripture. We have, we have all of this. And we are asking for miraculous signs to turn. The people of Nineveh all they needed was the word. They just needed the word of the Lord and they turned. I often pray this way. I often pray that I need a miracle. God, I need you to show up big and I need it right now. And I feel like that right now. I do. Like I said, I, I, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. I feel kind of like we are spinning our wheels. I want God to show up. I want a miracle. I don't want to spend time in the belly of a big fish, though. I definitely don't want to be vomited by that big fish. 
careful what you ask for, right? Faith requires us to believe even in the absence of miracles. Even in the face of science and reason, we need to stand up and declare that God is God. And in doing so, we really need to expect the unexpected. The second reason I believe this to be true is because I need it to be true. For me, this has to be true. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 16 through 19 say, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not, be raised, has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. You guys, this is the end all be all of our faith. The dead in Christ, us in Christ, being raised with Christ. And if I believe this, if I believe this unexpected turn that I will be raised with Christ, that we will be raised with Christ, that all who died in Christ will be raised with Christ, then it's not a big leap for me to believe that Jonah was in the belly of a fish. It's, it's, that's just not hard. I can get there. I can believe it. I need to believe it. But conversely, if I don't believe that God could sustain, that God could provide for Jonah in the belly of a fish, then how can I believe that I'll be raised with those who have died in Christ when he returns. I, I can't. So I have to believe this. I have to believe it. I cannot believe in a risen Christ. I cannot believe in the resurrection of those who died in Christ if I can't believe this much smaller unexpected turn. But I do believe. The reality is I do believe. I don't know wasn't there. I didn't see it. I don't know. Maybe Jonah came out like, like they say Bartley did. Maybe he was bleached. And maybe he had all his hair gone. Maybe he was blind. I don't know. I wasn't there. The Bible doesn't say that. But I believe it. And that's what faith is. I believe that it happened. Because I believe that with God all things are possible. I believe that with Christ it's possible that we will all raise with him that's my faith and I hope I hope you guys share it and uh, let's struggle let's wrestle with it together and uh, and one day we will we will raise let's pray Lord God thank you thank you for your word I needed it so much more than I thought I did today uh, thank you that you allow us to worship you through songs, through your word. Lord, uh, again, I needed that so much more than I thought I did. Um, thank you for salvation. Thank you that it's found in you. Thank you that you are capable through these unexpected turns, through these, these things that are just unexplainable. Thank you that you are able to redeem us through those things. Thank you that you are found in these deep, dark places, even in the belly of a fish, Lord. Thank you. We praise you. We lift you up. Amen.